happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hello. Hi. Hi! How are you all? <laughs> uh, good. I don't know how to answer that anymore, to be honest. I Ask me a different question. Okay. What's the name of the show that we're on? Cool People. Doing cool stuff. Yeah! And then yeah. who are you? I'm Shireen. Thanks for asking. Who are you? <laughs> I was going to ask you to t- ask who I am, or tell me who I am. Uh, I'm, I'm Margaret. I'm your host. Nice to meet you, Margaret. Sophie, who are you? I am. Oh crap! I gave you the answer in the question. <laughs> well, well, well. I am the only Sophie who matters. That's that true. is so good. Good <laughs> callback. Canonically accurate. Good call. Yeah. Thank you. <sighs> well, okay. Uh, I'm Margaret. I'm the host. Shireen is our guest. Sophie is our producer. Ian is the one who cuts out all the dead space when my brain turns off in the middle of conversations. And on woman wrote the theme music for us. And in part one. We talked about who the KKK are slash were or whatever. Mm-hmm. Today, we're going to talk about some of the people who fucked them up because that's the cool people who did cool stuff promise. Whenever there are bad people doing bad things, there are cool people trying to fuck those people up. Yeah. Sometimes they succeed. Sometimes they fail. But, you know, I may fail to win, but I will not fail to fight. Sometimes the cool people who are trying to fuck up the bad people are you and I here and now. That's my... Uh, Wow. Inspirational speech. How'd I do? That was really beautiful. Thanks. Wow. Poetry. Okay. Okay. And then I got to remember I can't eat a little bar while I'm talking. That doesn't work. No. I know how to do my job. This is a podcast, Margaret. I've been <laughs> hired to accomplish a task. What's that? So, What's that, Ian? We should. No, Ian. No. We can't do that to Margaret. It was just oh, one no. time with the bar. Wait, what is. It? Oh, wait. That's a thing that happened. I'm just going to get murdered later. Yeah, oh. yeah. It's essentially the bit. <laughs> People are going to deep, deep fake me from here uh, on out. Do you know how many times poor editors have had to hear chewing? That's my that's my one thing. Do you know how many times poor editors have had to hear chewing like yeah. deep into their ears? I, I don't know how I'm in this medium because I have that thing where I like hate mouth noises. Like mm-hmm. and it's called like something, whatever. M- it starts with an M. Yeah. I really 
have a thing about mouth noises and mm-hmm. I've listened to myself talking back. I don't like my mouth noises. I don't like anyone else's mouth noises. I cannot imagine being an editor cutting out mouth noises. No, I that's that sounds like <laughs> torture to me. So God bless Ian and everyone else that does that uh, because that sounds like absolute torture. It'd be like being the person with tryptophobia and you have to edit out all the eyes out of the biblical angels. Uh-huh. Okay, so as a joke that didn't work. Uh, <laughs> Someone um, in the audience yeah. got it, maybe. <laughs> so let's start today off with the cool people of more or less the entire town of Carnegie, Pennsylvania, which Uh-oh. in 1923 drove off a Klan invasion with bricks and bats and guns. Tell me more. Sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, I will then, Shireen. I wasn't going to, but now I'm going to. We're going to talk about the resistance to the second KKK mostly um, mm-hmm. and the third one. Because in my head, I have this whole huge arc I want to do at some point about Reconstruction and the wake of the Civil War, but I haven't have figured out how to handle it yet. So I don't want to like, I don't know, I was like, I'm like, I'm going to tell these stories because I haven't gotten it together yet to tell the story about the people who fought the first clan. There's this town, sort of, called Carnegie, Pennsylvania. It's technically a borough, not a town. It's sort of part of Pittsburgh. I don't know. It's weird. The name of the person who runs it isn't a mayor. It's a Burgess. Oh. Still? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I'm well, not sure. I guess in we'll 1923, never know. yes. Okay. In the 1920s, it was a steel town, and it was full of black folks who had fled Jim Crow South, Catholic mm-hmm. immigrants from Ireland and Italy and Eastern Europe. About half the town was Catholic, um, which I then presume means like more than half the town is the sort of folks that the Klan would be targeting for mm-hmm. violence. The KKK didn't like them. They didn't like. Go ahead. I have a question. Mm-hmm. If it's about Burgesses, how? I can't answer no, it because I don't know. But okay. how does someone who hates Catholics and wants them to die, how can you tell someone's Catholic? Probably Irish accents or Italian accents back then. Okay. So that's I'm not like, sure. Because that's like a interest. like unless you're having a conversation with someone, mm-hmm. like being, I mean, not saying it's easy, but it is easier to direct your hate at someone that looks different than you because right. they look different than you, and you can you can spot them and single them out. But it's just interesting that Catholicism was so hated because, like, how can you tell? I don't know. I know, and I mean, you know, you could be like, okay, well, they're hanging out at a Catholic church, or yeah. they're, I mean, it's funny because too, right? Because you're like, oh, they're Irish, and like, well, I mean, you know, Ireland is not solely Catholic, right? right? But right. the people who were poor and had to flee. Um, the ravages of colonialism were more likely to be Catholic. But again, mm-hmm. still not universally. Yeah. But maybe they don't think that much in depth. I, maybe they yeah. assume, yeah, never mind. And so, you know, okay, the Klan, they don't like Catholics, they don't like immigrants, and they really, really don't like black people. Not coming to, I'd say not coming to their neighborhood, but <laughs> it's not the Klan's neighborhood. Just period, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like their country, in their mind. Yeah. You know, that we stole this fair and square. And... It, most of the people that we're talking about, most of the clans people we're talking about came from as far away as Texas. Most came from Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, and Kentucky. At the, at the clan's peak, there were 33 branches of the KKK in Allegheny County where all this takes place. Um, but they didn't call their branches branches. They called them claverns. No, they didn't. They did. <laughs> with a K. Oh my, wait, Really? Yes. It's like the Kardashians just needing to put a K in front of every fucking thing. No, thank you. Yeah, no, they put it, and they just made up nonsense words for everything. Everything, you would take a regular word and you would come up with a new word that has a 
uh, K in it. I think, and I don't, I didn't put this in the script. I think that they called their like list of rules the Chloran. Huh. Something I like where that. Where the K fascination originated because it's like, what is Ku? Is that like a like a Greek letter? Well, so or like... Ku close is the oh right Greek you did mention that group yeah okay or circle okay. or something yeah I don't know no either and there just... is something to the Kardashian connection and I will think about it but okay we'll, yeah okay just, I the don't know enough about the, pop culture to is the is the KKK handbook the what is it the Chloran it's the yeah K- it's the KKK handbook yeah because they're fucking. I want to say they're fucking clowns, but actually clowns way cooler than the clan. Yeah. Um, they're clowns they're with actually, a K. Yeah, oh, totally. Sophie with the jokes. Yeah. Anyway, August 25th, 1923, really close to 100 years ago. The clan holds a rally out 25,000 strong on a farm outside overlooking Carnegie. It's basically like they're planning an invasion of Carnegie. Mm-hmm. And... They initiate a thousand new violent bigots. Uh, they big a big. They burn a big old cross, fifty feet tall. This is like the thing that they like. All of their big rallies, they're like big. I mean, they're big like festivals of hatred, and they're like competing to see who can like, which one can have the biggest cross to set on fire. Um, apparently, a lot of times they would like fail at the engineering, and the crosses would fall over. I'm not currently aware of any time that they fell over on fire on top of Klansmen, but if anyone is aware, please let me know. Because it must have happened at some point. Yeah, that would rule. Just probability-wise. Yeah. yeah. Um, they spent days preparing the site. Uh, the Grand Wizard of the KKK, which is their main leader, was there. He'd replaced his predecessor, the one who dipped out when going got tough. Uh, they had fireworks that made a big red K's in the sky. No. Oh <laughs> yeah, they God. fucking did. This is just a fucking, like... It's like picnics. It's a cartoon villain. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like a postcard villain. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Picnics and families and all that shit. These huge social events, these hate rallies. People from the town aren't really excited about this for some odd reason. At one point, anti clan folks took six pot shots at their sentries and no one was hit. But the sniper, the snipers were never found. One account claims that they were warning shots. Um, but I think no one actually knows whether they, like, mm. tried to hit anyone and missed or whether they were just like, we're going to go shoot some guns near the Klan rally because fuck those people, right? After their cross burning, the Klans wanted to cap off the night by marching through the nearby town of, or borough of Carnegie, Pennsylvania. They preferred to march at night because of that whole night raids thing. I think also they thought it made them look scarier and meant their weapons were easier to conceal because it's dark. Mm. And when I say marching through the nearby town, it was absolutely clear that they're out for blood. Uh, It's hard to know exactly whether they were like, let's go rough up a few people or whether they were like trying to just really run riot on the whole place. Because, again, trying not to focus on atrocities here, but they've been doing stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. anti-black folks in particular have been doing stuff like that in the recent past at this point. They had a problem. The Burgess of Carnegie was an Irish Catholic guy, John F. Conley. And he didn't like the Klan, uh, in part because the Klan kept, you know, harassing and um, murdering people. And so when the Klan had asked if they could march, he was like, no, you can't parade through town. You're the KKK. And the Grand Wizard, he like, he plays this up very carefully, right? He goes back and I'm not, this is not direct quotes. He's like, hey, buds, the town, they say no. But what do you say? 
And the people are like, let's do it anyway. Of course it they did. didn't help that the chief of police of Carnegie was in the Klan. Oh, I mean, surprised? No. Disappointed? No. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And one of the things that's complicated about... Actually, is one of the reasons this, this story is particularly interesting to me. Complicatedly, looking for fights is part of the Klan's recruitment strategy. Um, they would intentionally hold parades in Catholic areas, hoping to spur backlash so that they could kind of, like, riot and look cool and tough and, like, have beat up some people, you know, and kind of, like, vaguely make it look like self-defense or whatever, free speech. But it's, this works when the KKK wins, when they, quote, their recruitment works really well when they, quote, run knee, when streets run knee-deep in Catholic blood. Oh. They prefer their fights when they have numbers like 40 to 1, basically. And I think this is remarkably consistent across fascist ideologies. I think fascism is an ideology of cowardice. Uh, I think it is about masking fear with a tough guy attitude over people that you can wildly overpower. Wow. So they have a march. That's, that's, that's a good way to put that. For like, uh, my, my little brain appreciates mm -hmm. that breakdown because it's very true. Thanks. I spent a lot of time yeah. thinking about it. I had a lot of conversations like back in the day with um, some European anti-fascists. Like, um, like, like I was talking to someone in Bulgaria. Mm -hmm. uh, once while I was there and and they were talking about how it's like look when, when we win against the fascists their numbers go down because they don't like being on the losing side as compared yeah. to the anti-fascist side when we our numbers go down only if they kill us right you know? right unfortunately like, they're very yeah. willing to it's like this it's ultimately all about insecurity which is like kind of sad yeah totally like pathetic sad not sad like boohoo you know what I mean totally so 3,500 Klansmen out of 25,000 start marching towards the town. At the front of their parade is a car with a five-foot-tall, lit-up electric KKK light. Oh, my God. Wait, In what the year fucking is this? 1923. Wow. That must have taken a lot of work. Uh-huh. Wow. They have a marching band. They have torches a la Charlottesville. And... They tried to march into town over a train bridge, but the people of Carnegie had blocked it with some trucks. So they marched to another bridge, and this one leads right into the Irish part of town. And when they get there, a car is sideways across the road, and there's a huge crowd of Carnegians who are there to politely say, nope, you can't come to right. the fucking Klansmen. And by politely, I mean they threw shit at them. The Klansmen successfully move the car, but the crowd drives them back throwing shit at them. And one of the things that's frustrating if for me all the history that I would find focuses on the Klan and, like, who was there for the Klan mm. and not the people who fought them off. Partly because the people who fought them off didn't really write any histories about it, as yeah. far as anyone can tell. There's some people who've done some research. There's a really good—I'm going to quote it a couple times. There's a, a graphic novel by Bill Campbell, um, a black science fiction author, called The Day the Klan Came to Town, who did a lot of research and grew up in Carnegie. But as far as I can tell— this was a consciously diverse group that had come together against across racial and cultural divides to team up for community defense. I believe that there were black fighters, Italian fighters, Jewish fighters, Irish fighters, and Armenian fighters in the crowd. But I, I don't know a ton about it, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you bring, up, you bring up a good point about who history is written by usually, you know, and like what gets yeah. focused on and how many other details about so many things that we don't know. So I know. Yeah. But. And it's, and it's even like history is written by the victors or whatever, and the clan like lose. Not it's only not this about fight, the victors, but, it's about yeah. like the the biases. I think more totally. so. It's not about yeah. It's just like what 
just it's like a just by chance what one person thinks is important in that moment yeah. to document versus something else. And if they're white or straight or whatever it is, and mm -hmm. they're writing about certain histories, they're going to focus on certain things that only they think is important. So it's like yep. there's no such thing as unbiased anything when it comes to history. But, totally. Yeah. No, that's such a because it's like I want to find moments of black resistance and I want to find moments of multiracial resistance and I want to find the people who are doing these things but a lot of the people writing about it are focused on the clan as an evil entity mm -hmm. or a good entity but most people are writing about it as an evil entity at this point I think and so they want to focus on the the individuals within the clan right yeah so they're at this bridge a diverse crowd of people that organized for their own defense of their own borough came together start driving them back the clan's band at this point is like, you know, fuck this. And they have the marching band. I forgot yeah. about the marching band. There's <laughs> the people there with like trumpets and shit. Yeah. They brought a trumpet to a gunfight. Um, well, at this point, it's a brick fight, I think. Oh. And cops show up, and not all of them are Klansmen. Uh, about half of them, I think, are. I'm not entirely wow. certain. Wow. Hashtag yeah. not all cops. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that's, that's, that's lower than, you know. It's more I, than I thought, half. Yeah, but like, I, I don't remember where I got that. I, I remember that not all of them were Klansmen, but that the chief of police is. But I don't mm -hmm. remember what percent. Well, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, hey, buds, this isn't a good idea to the clan. And the clan ignores them. Eventually, 300 Klansmen out of the 2,500, uh, or 3,500 people who are on the march, 300 burst through the crowd and charge into the town. And they're like singing onward Christian soldiers as they do it. Because they're off on a fucking holy war, right? Mm -hmm. A crusade yeah. for them. Yeah, totally. And so this is 300 out of 25,000 who are brave enough to actually go throw down. Um, <laughs> when you put it that way, it's very, I don't know, amusing. I know, and I think that that's what we need to like remember. Yeah. Fighting breaks out for real. There's clubs and maces and knives and scattered gunfire uh, because you don't march into a town that doesn't want you there, that has prepared for you, and have it go easy. Women on rooftops are throwing bricks and coal at the Klansmen, like whatever they can find. This one asshole guy, Thomas Rankin Abbott, he's from a rural town about 20 miles further down the road. He gets himself shot in the head, and he does himself a dying and the Klansmen break and run. He does himself... Wait, let's say that one again. Uh, he does himself a dying. He becomes a dead person instead of a living I, I person. I like that phrase. Mm, I will thanks. remember that phrase. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and all of his buddies, the Klansmen, they break and run as soon as he's... Cowards. And they're like... they're Yeah, I know. They're like they're shooting guns and shit at people. They shoot a bunch of people, but no one else dies in this particular uh, encounter. But as soon as one of theirs gets shot in the head, they're all like, oh, fuck. And they run the fuck away. They break and run. They ditch their guns in the street for fear of being arrested with them. Oh hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of revolvers are recovered from the streets. Um, wow. And there's no, like, specific evidence that the re recovered revolvers were the clan's revolvers. But my theory that they were the clan's revolvers is based on the fact that if you're in your own town, you don't have to ditch your gun in the street. Yeah. You can take it home. Or you can ditch it somewhere you can get it later because you probably know. You know? I think it's so funny that they were so crusady and like had their guns oh. and everything and like 
fuck the police. Like, they're not going to tell them what to do. And they yeah. drop them because they don't want to get arrested. Let's just Yeah, yeah, totally. A totally. Very quick reminder of your power. Totally. And, and then also, like, run into, as soon as the gunfight is two-sided, they're like, oh, yeah. shit, they have guns. Yeah, like, we can die. Yeah, yeah. Hundreds of them had guns. Yeah. A local undertaker, who sounds like a gem of a person, I'm not being sarcastic, uh, was arrested for the quote-unquote murder of the Klansmen. Uh, I'm putting that in air quotes because I don't think it was murder. And this guy, the guy who was arrested, was a 65-year-old undertaker named Paddy McDermott. His name is Paddy, so he's probably Irish Catholic. Paddy. But there was too much chaos that night and too many conflicting witness statements, so Paddy was set free after a while because they couldn't really pin it on him. Mm-hmm. However, after this whole thing that I'm going to get to a little bit where this becomes this big, like, the dead dude becomes a martyr and shit, Patty gets arrested again uh, on the same charge, and it goes to trial, and he's found not guilty at a jury trial. No idea whether the 65-year-old undertaker shot the Klansman. I would support him 100% either way. Yeah. Do I not like care. Patty. I yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Justice for Patty. Yeah. And so the KKK turns the death of their guy into propaganda. And a lot of the history is like, and this spiked their numbers um, because they're like, oh, that damn Irishman shot from the alley behind a Catholic church, which is true. The dude got shot right in front of a Catholic church. Um, And they're like, if we'd wanted, we could have taken that town, but we're too law abiding. But like, no, they got fucking beat. They got their asses kicked and they ran away. Yeah. It's like the point you made about what it boils down to. It's just like, they don't want to, they... They're in it as long as they're like the big guy, the the, yeah. the the winners, you know. And as soon as it starts to like turn on them, they're like, "Actually, I'm gonna flip. I'm just gonna run." Yep, totally. Yeah. Not necessarily flip, more more so. Just yeah, run more just run. Yeah. And the clan used this opportunity to grift their members because, of course, they did. They uh, nothing ever changes. They raised sixteen thousand in donations for the families of the the family of their martyr, uh, which is about two hundred thousand dollars today, of which 5,000, so less than a third, actually made it to the family. The of rest course. was stolen of course. by the fucking grifters. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, at a, a nearby Catholic town called Everson, the KKK drove through and some local kids just jumped them, stole all their shit, and then <laughs> had like a mock ceremony to make fun of it all because they had all like the KKK stuff and they're like, oh, Love look that. at us, we're the KKK. Love that for them. Love that for us. Love it. And so the KKK, they're like, all right, we're going to, we're taking Western Pennsylvania. We're going to take this place, you know? And so they call for an even bigger and more important rally shortly after all of this. They sent 3,000 plainclothes armed Klansmen to a town of, the town of Scottsdale, Pennsylvania. They had fucking machine guns and trucks. Only 10,000 Klansmen showed up to the rally. 40,000 non-Klan spectators, which is to say probably 40,000 anti-Klan people, but it might have been 40,000 neutral people. But I don't know. I can't really imagine showing up neutral in this particular no, context. Yeah. The history I read was like spectator. And I'm like, what does that mean? Mm, yeah. And the local exalted Cyclops, which was the local leader. That's, can't, I can't I believe that's real. Yeah. I can't believe that's real. Exalted Cyclops? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, the exalted Cyclops. He, why, uh, is, why is one eye good for you? I, I, I don't understand. <sighs> Whatever. Because so they're. Stupid. Fucking the worst kind of D&D nerds that have ever existed. <laughs> but we have a new sponsor this week. Uh, it has a jingle. The jingle is, don't stare at your feet when you cross the street. Jaywalk, jaywalk, 
Make sure cars are plenty far, then jaywalk, jaywalk. Because our sponsor is the concept of wow. jaywalking um, when it is, that was, when that it was is responsible to do so. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, I actually, they sent me some free jaywalking in the mail. Oh, great. Oh, cool. cool. Yeah. What's the promo? What's I was running promo out. Code? Don't get hit by cars. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. yeah. Or it's be careful, or 20% though. off. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> For any fines you might incur. <laughs> oh, my God. And I don't know if it still exists, but one time I was in Sweden and they had this uh, this uh, turnstile hopper union because they believe that the turns that public transit should be free. So there's a union of people who hop the turnstiles that pays your uh, fines if you get caught hopping turnstiles. Wait, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. Wow. That's like true community organizing. I know. <laughs> and I don't know anything about how it went down or anything because I was just a traveler who went through and learned about it and then didn't follow up again. Here's some advertisers. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hey girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one, Dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. And we are talking about how the clan is trying to take Scottsdale, the local Cyclops, with his one good eye, he chickens out at the last minute. Of course he does. Of course he does. Yeah. And 
only about 1,200 of the 10,000 clansmen go on the march into town. And they don't wear their hoods or robes or anything because they're too afraid. Uh, they were three hours late. They were wildly outnumbered. And they turn around and left dejected. Wow. Whereupon, a few random anti-clans people took some shots at them. I don't think anyone was hit. I think it was just a, like, yeah, get that the is, fuck out of here. I mean, it's just a good reminder that, like, usually hate is fueled by, like, a really insecure desire to, like, power or to remain in power. And mm -hmm. it's all about, like, it's not, like, a real drive, like, a human drive. Like, that is, I don't, oh, I don't know if that makes sense. And and then it's like the other side. It's like you're fighting to survive and you're fighting mm -hmm. to like to protect the people you love. And I think that drive maintains so much more than like a very flimsy power grab or like cowardly attempt at staying on top. And I feel like that is where the difference happens. And I'm not sure if I, I'm articulating myself well when, when I'm what I'm trying to say, but I feel like No, no, that that makes I don't sense. Know. Yeah. Because, yeah, the people who are defending, who are actually defending themselves in their ways of life versus yeah. people who are defending their privileged position that they then think means that they're defending their way of life. The way of life yeah. of being the slave owner often in a literal sense, you know? Yeah. There's no deeper connection to humanity there. There's just like it's literally just about your personal gain and power. And I don't know. There's yeah. there's no way you can be like. It's it's my right to like as a human to own people. Like no, actually, yeah. it's the, the only thing that's true is like you can have a right to live and like protect yourself, and like those basic core things are what maintain versus like really shitty, stupid human stuff that's just like surface level. Yeah, but I'll think about that more and make it more eloquent okay. another another time. Okay, now you're on to something. I want to end this part of the story, the, the Carnegie part of the story, Western Pennsylvania part of the story, uh, with some reflections from the, the author I was talking about earlier, Bill Campbell, the black science fiction author who grew up in Carnegie, who wrote a graphic novel, which I highly recommend to people. The, the graphic novel is called The Day the Klan Came to Town. And this is from his afterward. The immigrants in this story are indeed the victors. They beat the Klan that day and won in their ultimate goal of kicking the Klan out of Pennsylvania a century ago. But they won an even larger victory. They ultimately became, quote, white, and as a result, became the beneficiaries of all that whiteness has to offer in this country. Once you're admitted into any club, you want to act as though you've always been a member. So it's no surprise that this story has gone largely untold. A good friend of mine, comics creator Jiba Moulet Anderson, often says that whiteness is erasure. Countless European folkways, traditions, and attitudes have actually eventually been washed away upon coming to these shores in order for folks to be considered, quote, white. This exchange has been rewarded with material gain, obviously. This affords many a convenient amnesia and a convenient narrative of how America has always greeted immigrants with open arms, and this latest wave is somehow different. How they worked hard to get what they have and that all other people have to do is work hard and so on, when really all that happened is they were granted whiteness and different forms of discrimination were removed from their paths. That's very well put, and it's something I will think about longer. I have to chew on that. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be curious your take on it if you come up with thoughts on it later. I mean, I, it's just a really good point about... I just never... I mean, also, I just never thought of it that way. I think it's like uh, the idea that like once you're given that 
once you're granted access into the club and you realize how much easier your life can be, mm-hmm. you don't want to leave it. And at the same time, you don't want to deny yourself or like any like you don't want to make it seem like you always were there because you know the, what the other side is like. And I don't know. It's, it's, there's there's a lot of layers there. And I feel yeah. like the the removal of uh, one discrimination from your life, that bit, like, I don't know if that, I'm, my brain is starting to break, Margaret, and I wish I could say <laughs> words correctly, but I really liked that take on the idea of, immigrants that maybe were never considered themselves this like overarching label of white Mm -hmm. suddenly come here and realize the the privilege that comes with being white right how easy how much easy i mean like also if you have a family and your life could be easier xyz way like why why would you choose to suffer you know and so there's there's a lot of arguments there and uh yeah all you have to do is give up your language and your yeah. And the parts the of your culture identity. that aren't, yeah. Besides like yeah. St. Patrick's Day or God forbid Columbus Day or these like God little tiny things, you know? Yeah. 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 I will, I will try to be smarter next time I talk about this. No, no, no. You're, you're, you're doing great. Thanks, Margaret. All right. Constant validation. Thank you. That, well, it, it's easy to offer you constant validation. Keep all of this sweet stuff in. Yeah, Ian. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, another group that fought the second incarnation of the clan. The people of Carnegie are mysterious in that it's, it seems like their history was barely written. This next group, they're mysterious in that they're, they're fucking mysterious. Like, to the degree where I have found a bunch of references to them existing... But I, like, only kind of 80% believe that they existed. This happens to me a lot on this show. There's, like, all of these stories in history that are, like, so, like, amazing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. but really? Well, because you can't trust history. We just, I know. We, we talked about that. Like, I know. a real, you can't just read something and be, like, fact. Because yeah. that's usually not it unless you're, like, reading a math equation or something. Right, totally. And so this next part feels a little bit like a comic book. But frankly, so does the clan. And this group set themselves up to be the mirror image of the clan. They are the Knights of the Flaming Circle. No. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of the Knights of the Flaming Circle? Okay, so in the early 1920s, this group rises up to counter the KKK. The Knights of the mm-hmm. Flaming Circle, or the Red Knights, or the Knights of the Burning Ring. They have a lot of names. Hell yeah. And since the KKK would take any white Protestant man... The Knights of the Flaming Circle will take anyone who isn't a white Protestant man. Wait, that is the the best criteria of club admittance. <laughs> right? That's so good. Like, That's like the criteria to be on my podcast. Like, yeah. The only criteria to be on my podcast is that you can't be a white guy. Yeah. Like, as long as you're specifically not what the Protestant, what the, what the KKK lets in. And, you know, and I like, I know that there were plenty of Protestant men who hated the Klan. Uh, but whatever. But this this isn't their group. We don't know a ton about them, but they were active throughout the Mid-Atlantic and the Midwest and beyond. Uh, I believe less so in the South. They, this is sketchy, they dressed in white robes mm. and they burned giant circles instead of crosses. They would show up wherever the KKK was burning crosses and then burn circles, which is goofy as 
fuck, like this weird game of tic-tac-toe. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) I just thought of it that way. Wait, what? Why would, why did he decide to, to dress like them? I think they're trolling. Way to be like, oh. I think they're being like, That explains the name too, I guess. Yeah. 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 I, that is so funny, though, to just show up to <laughs> circles. I know. Like, all right, you got cross, I got circle. What now? Yeah. Can't win this tic-tac-toe game. We're going to a and, draw. I mean, like, it also covered yourself in a white sheet. Like, no one knows who you are underneath that. Well, you know? they actually, they wore white robes, but they did not wear hoods and they did not wear pointy okay. hats or anything like that. No okay. masks and no hats. And I think that was to make it clear that they weren't. They, they could okay, probably take that joke only so far. Mm-hmm. You know, what I have not been able to find is whether or not Johnny Cash was referencing p- potential affiliation with the Knights of the Burning Ring when he said, I fell into a burning ring of fire. Mm. Unsure. To be determined. Yeah. In their anonymous communique from 1923, they said that they were a, quote, movement that will ring the earth with blazing justice to all. We're an enemy oh. of all clans with a C and clans with a K. We believe in liberty for every human being, black, white, or yellow, regardless of race, religion, or creed. I love that they brought up the KC thing. Yeah, totally. I'm so over that. <laughs> yeah, like, totally. I, like, I, like, thank you for distinguishing that. And also just like, that's just metal as fuck. I know. Like, I don't know. It's so cool. They probably got their start about a month after some people in uh, the town of Steubensville, Ohio, like, fucked up a clan march. Uh, they overturned clans' cars. They tore up clan flags. They beat clansmen with bricks and clubs and shit. Like, this thing that happened in Carnegie is an example, not a, like, mm. not, like, the thing that turned the tide. It kind of turned the tide in western Pennsylvania. But, like, mm-hmm. this shit was happening, you know? Like, clansmen would sometimes fuck people up, but sometimes clansmen would get fucked up. So a month after this clan rally gets fucked up, the... The, these knights of the Flaming Circle announced themselves. Uh, later, a, a dentist claimed to be the founder of the organization, which is noteworthy in that the head of the clan was a dentist too. Whoa. Wait. <laughs> that deserves examining. Right? Because teeth are white. Oh, and that's a good point. maybe there's something there. I don't know. I'm sorry, that was a stretch. But that is a very interesting coincidence. I, my current theory is either raw coincidence or... They probably didn't really have a founder or a leader, like, in a really strict sense. Mm. Everything about them. I don't think they were, like, anarchists, but they were very anarchistic in a lot of ways. I suspect that the dentist was like, oh, I'll be, the, I'll be in charge because we're <laughs> the mirror of the clan. And I'm a, like... I, I would believe that. I would believe that take because, like, they're, they're already trolling so hard. Yeah. Like, why not just have the cherry on top and be like, who's the dentist here? You? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're in charge. <laughs> And so they wore no masks or hoods. Their logo was a red circle with a Statue of Liberty in the middle. <laughs> they had no central organization. They had chapters, because they're not a grift. They had chapters in Vermont, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Ohio, Illinois, Iowa, and New Mexico. They had organizers in every city in Ohio, because that seemed to be where they were based out of. And the KKK accused them of being anarchists, but that's, I, I found no evidence besides the fact that the Klan accused them of it. And also there's some like, right. it's, I believe it is a actually ideologically diverse movement. They were a lot like today's anti-fascists. To quote a write-up on the site, The New Eclipse, they used tactics like putting pressure on meeting halls to refuse to allow the Klan to meet there, publishing lists of Klan members, 
destroying the anonymity of the organization, organizing counter-demonstrations to so- show mass opposition to the Klan and what it stood for, physically interrupting their parades and rallies, assaulting Klan members and damaging their property. Beautiful. Yeah, just all the tried and true shit. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, do we know, not that it matters, mm-hmm. but like, do we know like the leaders or like the, the, not the leaders, but like the people that initiated it, like, are they white? Are they like, what's That's their... what I wish I knew. Yeah. I, I really... I mean, either way, it's sick, but like, it would yeah. be interesting to know how they came together that way. I know. And like, in all of these random times when they're like, oh, an anti-Klan people fucked up a Klan rally. I'm like, I kind of want to know because it's written out of history, whether it was like a primarily black thing, whether it was a like mm-hmm. primarily Irish thing or whether it was a combo. Yeah. And like, yeah. and, and people don't talk about it because people don't like talking about race in this stupid country. And so I... I frankly don't know. Uh, but also, just like you bring up a good point about how we always hear about the clan fucking people up, and that's like the thing we learn about in history that they did these like atrocities or like they were this group that was hateful. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't it have been nice to learn about the other way, like how people like fucked them up and yeah. fought back? Because we never learned about that. At least I didn't. So it's like, yeah. I think. Maybe that also just, like, is a deeper thing about how humans focus on bad shit and, like, how that's the only thing that gets remembered in history or whatever. But that part of history is a really good reminder of, like, the other side of humanity. Because, like, just thinking about the Klan, the same way I thought, like, everyone was racist or whatever. Like, it's just, like, the same kind of thing where you forget that you can't have one without the other. Yeah. And that the other is, like, fighting twice as hard at the same time. Totally. So it's a good reminder of that. Yeah, and it it it's just this ebb and flow, you know, and like, and even though we have not defeated the concepts that the clan brings to bear, right? We probably never truly will, but we should always be mm-hmm. trying to. We have, as a society, defeated the clan multiple times and destroyed multiple clan organizations. Uh, you know, within five years, from five million members to thirty thousand members by shaming them, by exposing them, by beating the shit out of them, by legislating against them, by by doing everything that we can, right? Mm-hmm. And like, and that is not, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be like, haha, and then there was this little blip called the Ku Klux Klan and we kicked the shit right. out of them. Because like, no, they fucked things up, right? And they No, yeah, no, th- you know, there's but, definitely like the reality of how shitty they are is there. Yeah. But le- learning about the... The people that fought back is also, I think, just like, because I can get really cynical and just be like, mm-hmm. humanity sucks. We're fucking this place up. We don't deserve to be here. But then, like, seeing people that, like, in face of, like, whatever kind of danger or evil, like, they're still there, like, in the front yeah. being like, fuck you. I'm going to dress like you and burn a circle yeah. right next to your ex. <laughs> like, know. that is so, that's, like, just so cool. It's- and I feel like if if kids learned about that, I think that would, like, empower them to, like, think like that in a way like like empower them to like want to fight back against that stuff i know it's like a yeah. different conversation about education and history and all that stuff but i do think it's 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 just sad that we don't learn about those people because yeah. maybe they still attribute them to like riots and violence and fucking things up but i don't know it's it's not i don't know i just I'll, it's just i think it's it would be nice to learn about that as children yeah no, absolutely. Uh, knowing that you can do something is a big part of exactly. doing it. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Even if, like, 
even if it's dangerous, even if like like knowing that you can pick the not safe path and that that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, no, I, I I think about this stuff way too much. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, but what I also think about is the following um, Looney Tunes thing that they did, which was one time the clan was going to have a parade with like cars. So they just lined the road with roofing tacks. <laughs> and just wow. popped all the tires. That's, that is just genius. Chef's kiss. Whoever thought of that, whoever yeah. implemented that, amazing. Yeah. In Williamson County, Illinois, uh, and I've heard this story told from a different perspective, uh, but uh, not about, I'll, I'll get to that. The Flaming Circle in Williamson County, Illinois, was made up of miners, immigrants, uh, I believe, since it's separating miners and immigrants, I actually wonder whether that means black miners, I don't know. Mm. Miners, immigrants, bootleggers, right, because the bootleggers hate the Klan, because the Klan is the army of prohibition. And even a bunch of cops are part of the Flaming Circle because they don't want to enforce prohibition because they like drinking. Well, other cops in the area were Klansmen. Some pro-Klan cops shot up an ant- I like that. Wait, wait. I like that you differentiated that some police were against the Klan because of alcohol, not because of racism. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, specifically the thing I read was cops yeah. who didn't want to enforce prohibition, not cops who were against racism. Yeah, you know? I think it's just a very good yeah. point. Good point. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. That's, that's a very good point. And so some pro-Klan cops shot up an anti-Klan meeting, uh, a flaming circle meeting, and they injured someone. And so the guy goes to the hospital. And while he's in the hospital, an anti-Klan person went and shot and killed one of the Klansmen cops, a guy named Caesar Cagle. So the Klan surrounds the hospital and shoots it up. The National Guard gets called in. And for the next year and a half, the whole county is caught up in this like crazy violent struggle of Klan versus anti-Klan. And of particular note, uh, a Jewish gangster named Charlie Berger was involved. He was a, a bootlegging guy. And him and another bootlegger gang, his gang and another bootlegger gang put aside their differences to, like, fuck up the Klan. Wow. And then after they drove the Klan out of town, they went to war against each other, and it was terrible. But <laughs> uh, Which is another... I don't know enough about this guy to make a moral judgment on him. He's just right. a Jewish immigrant who was like, whatever, I'm going to be a bootlegger and did his thing. I don't know. But when you're talking about, like, people can get together and fight the bad things. It, exactly. Bad people can do it, too. Like, like complicated people can still fight against bad things. You know? Yeah, you don't have to totally. be the paragon of virtue to be like, you know what? I'm going to fight the Klan. You know, that's, yeah. like, the lowest bar. Like, like, I'm a violent, outspoken bigot is the worst possible thing. And so everyone is better than them. <laughs> yeah, fight exactly. Them, you know? Yeah. I mean, even a cop that just, like, yeah. Wants to drink. You yeah, know what totally. I mean? That's just like, that counts. That yeah, counts. <laughs> I know, it probably sucks. Like, but yeah. So in the end, the anti-Klan, the, the weird affiliation of cops and bootleggers and Catholics and trade union miners, whatever, they, they went out and they stopped Klan organizing in the county by 1925. And that's all I've been able to find. I haven't been able to find any like actual books about the Red Circle Secret societies, especially informal ones, are weird like that. Uh, but good on you, tic-tac-toe Antifa. And, tic-tac-toe Antifa is funny. And there's more, though. There's more that I can tell you about. But there's more? There is more. But first... I can't wait. First, you, you do have to wait. That's the thing. Oh. Um, because there's other things that you could learn about, like jaywalking as a... You know, if someone gets hit by a car because I told them to jaywalk, I'm going to feel so guilty. 
But you'll never know. That's true. Will you? That's true. I don't know. Ignorance is bliss. (laughs) Yeah. Think for yourself and or purchase these goods and services. One of those two. You pick. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. Good one, Dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back. We have a couple more stories. Yay. Another group that fought the KKK. And this one I want to include for a couple reasons. One is there's serious diversity of tactics and how people have fought the KKK. Sometimes it's these armed and organized groups. Sometimes it's spontaneous community defense and street brawls. Sometimes it's newspaper exposés. Sometimes it's the federal troops, like in the Reconstruction South. Sometimes it's lawsuits. And I'm going to talk about a lawsuit that stopped a 2,500-strong militia of Klansmen in the 80s. A bunch of law girls got together. Uh, that's true. You know what? Uh, critical support for law girls. Yeah. They, they come through sometimes, you know? They the, really do. Yeah. I, you know, I'm just saying I'm not one. That doesn't mean that I'm inherently against them. No, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying they can't do some good out there. Like, good. I'm, yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. So the U.S. war in Vietnam, when the U.S. invaded Vietnam, uh, and it was bad, 
Uh, it brought about 130,000 Vietnamese refugees to the U.S., where they were, of course, met with open arms and respect and care. Just kidding, racism. They were met with racism. A bunch of ref. I mean, I'm sure it was different for different people's experiences. I can't speak to well any of their experiences because that's not my experience. A bunch of refugees settled in Sea Drift, Texas, uh, on the Gulf in the late 70s uh, because they were fishers, and it seemed like a good place to fish. It was a good place to fish. Racist locals got really mad about the competition. They got mad that the Vietnamese were getting help from the government. And to bring back that old weird thing, because they were getting help from the Catholic Church. This is a strange thread. <laughs> I did keeps... not plan for this thread. <laughs> I What is up with... In this case... Is... Yeah. No, I, you know, because by this point, I think most of the anti-Catholics, I think, has largely subsided. I don't know. Um, but... Uh, Does it all boil down to, like, just hating the Pope? Like, is that... I don't know. Is it that simple? I don't... I. I don't know. I, I, I frankly don't understand. I can, I can almost understand the 1920s. I can't really, but like I could, <laughs> I could understand how to express the opinions of the 1920s anti-Catholic. Mm-hmm. The 1980s, 1970s anti-Catholic Protestant. No, I don't understand. Um, yeah. And I presume most of it was racism, but I did find a couple references to the fact that the fact that they were sponsored by the government and the Catholic Church was part of what fueled the racist anger. And a majority, I believe, of the Vietnamese refugees, or a, a greater percentage of the Vietnamese refugees were Catholic than uh, Vietnamese people who stayed in uh, in Vietnam, as I understand from, I was bugging one of my friends about this today. And the language barrier, of course, didn't help the local fishers and the refugee fishers get along. Uh, fishing practices were different about like how far apart to space uh, crab traps um, but no one, but the reason I'm like, no, it's just fucking racism is because no one bothered or was able to like talk to the refugees about that. And in the late 1970s, I'm going to quote NPR's passive voice, horrible way of phrasing this because I want to drag NPR for this fucking statement. Quote, a local white crabber was shot and killed in a dispute with Vietnamese fishermen over fishing territory. Two Vietnamese men were charged with murder and acquitted on the grounds of self-defense. That's when the Ku Klux Klan showed up and things got ugly. I hate this paragraph. I hate it because first and foremost, the immigrant fishers, they were proven in court to have been acting in self-defense. So leading with a white guy got killed, not a white guy fucked around and subsequently found out is like... You're already framing a, a, a story, a narrative that you're pushing. Yeah. I don't know. Like, even the U.S. legal system, famously biased, was like, no, that was self-defense. And the next thing up, like, things got ugly when the KKK showed up. Like, sounds like things were pretty ugly. What a cute way to say that. Yeah, what a cute way to summarize atrocities of the KKK. I know. And also, things were already bad. These two people had to defend themselves from a bigot. After the acquittal of the Vietnamese fishers, a bunch of Klansmen set fire to Vietnamese houses and boats. Some of the Vietnamese uh, refugees fled to Louisiana for safety. I can't even fucking imagine fleeing one war and then showing up and having to deal with this yeah. shit. The Klan wasn't happy. They wanted to drive the rest of them off, too. So they spent two years fucking with people. They would, like, burn crosses in people's yards. They, would, they were, like, training people for guerrilla warfare in the hills for the coming race war. They were driving around a boat 
with like an effigy of a hanged Vietnamese fisher on it. They would put armed oh militiamen on all the white-owned boats. They were they were just doing some awful shit. It's hellish. Um, and of course, the KKK would in their propaganda would be like, and they're all secret communists too, um, <laughs> which is particularly funny yeah. since the refugee Vietnamese community was mostly anti-communist. That's what the war yeah, was about. They left because they <laughs> yeah. fled. <laughs> like it was the people who fled, allied with the U.S. in the Vietnamese War. Um, yeah, but never underestimate the political naivety of racists. Yeah, like no. they can't think that deeply. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like yeah. So the Fishers used some of the tools that were available to them. They got together some law girls, I guess. And the law girls at the Southern Poverty Law Center and the Vietnamese Fishermen's Association filed a federal class action lawsuit against KKK organizing. They sued the KKK more broadly, but they also named the Grand Dragon of Texas, which is the leader of the local KKK, is the dragon. Grand Dragon yeah, yeah. Of I think it goes okay. like, other people know this shit better than I do, but I think it's like wizard, dragon, cyclops is the kind of like hierarchy of leaders, you know? There's just like no through line there. No, what is the? You're right. I just no. You're right. Mythologies, oh my, different magics. Like I don't get it. Oh my god, that's never part actually of had hobbies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't even know fucking mythology. No, not at all. Yeah, they're all from very different. Like so bizarre and stupid, and yeah, just makes it just, even dumber. It really does. Yeah, I don't know. It's like kids that not kids. Like people that are like obsessed with dragons are much different than people like obsessed with Merlin or something, and then the people that totally the different than people obsessed with like I don't know Hercules, yeah, mythology. Yeah, know. no, yeah, Hercules and Merlin are not the same kid. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking as a, a Merlin slash dragon kid, I like was aware of Hercules, but it didn't spark joy. Yeah. Know, whatever. Yeah, I was um, more the mythology kid. I yeah. Was, I was into mythology. That's cool. Yeah. I'm kind of coming around. Yeah. I mean, we're all, we should all just, now, mm -hmm. us, we should all come together, but the Ku Klux Klan didn't do it right, so no. they can fuck off. Yeah. yeah. So, in the lawsuit, the they claimed that the KKK had violated their rights and were basically committing racketeering by, you know, they were essentially organized crime and that they were trying to get a monopoly on the fishing in the area, which is, True, um, even if their purpose behind it was racism or whatever, you know. And the plaintiff class was all Vietnamese fishermen in the area. And the case is called Vietnamese Fishermen's Association versus Knights of the Ku Klux Klan, 1981. And in this, they proved... 1981 is not that long I ago. I know, I know. Wow. wow. They proved in court that a local militia group, the Texas Emergency Reserve, was, a mil was the military wing of the KKK. And they provided security at Klan rallies. And there was 2,500 of these militiamen. Uh, and it was shut down uh, mm. by, by this lawsuit, by the work of the Vietnamese Fishermen's Association, who won an injunction against the group activities that prevented the militia or the KKK from military training or parading with firearms, which ended the militia for good, which is really wow. funny to me. Sorry, I'm cutting off. No, I said, wow. Go ahead. <laughs> it's funny to me that the guys who are... The, that, Going and being like, sorry, guys, burning crosses and threatening people with guns is illegal now. Time to go home. Like, that worked on them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, maybe I feel like it's, I don't want to like have, be this cynical, but like, it probably had a lot to do with like just the, 
the type of judge they had and the the the, the people that were decided stuff totally. you know like mm-hmm. it could have gone a much different way so i think there's a bit of luck there totally but yeah which is like i mean again whatever i guess it's been made clear my opinion about law but like you know different tactics like right like because like going and fighting them too right it's like sometimes that mm-hmm. works and sometimes it doesn't yeah and so true, in them because it's not like justice prevailed because it always does yeah. right yeah instead it's like we tried to fight them through this avenue and it worked yeah which is great yeah. like sometimes the law does its actual job yeah and 40 years later the vietnamese community is still there and the kkk is a shadow of its former fucking self hell yeah a few more I just there's so many of them I didn't get to no, put it's them all great. In. I didn't know. Yeah. Like this is the thing. Like I had no idea these things happened and yeah. that the KKK was fucked over so much. I want to hear about the, yeah. the, the times the KKK was <laughs> fucked up. In 1956, uh, the Lumbee people, an indigenous people in what's currently called North Carolina, fucked up a clan gathering and sent sent them packing and stopped them from organizing in Robeson County, North Carolina. And I cover that story in a different episode. If people want to hear it, it's in the second half of the Civil War within the Civil War episode with Prop. And it's worth checking out. It's a fucking awesome story. The event itself, if you want to look into it on your own, is called the Battle of Hayes Pond. Um, and just rules, and I'm not going to go into it a second time, but y'all should look into it. Then to talk about modern resistance to the KKK, which I think I'm defining as I was alive during. Um, mm-hmm. That's fair. That's so fair. 1981, not modern. 1983, modern. Because mm-hmm. Mar- Margaret's it. on Got the it. scene. Yeah. Uh, well, not on this particular scene. That would have been impressive of me. But you're like somewhere out there yeah. as a blob. Yeah. yeah. In 1983, the Klan marched on Austin, Texas. About 70 of them. Uh, their num- That's pathetic. Yeah, yeah. Their numbers okay. are not what they used to be. Uh, I mean, good. I'm glad. Oh, yeah. It's just funny. They faced 2,000 counter-protesters, which were organized. Like, I feel like... Hmm? I feel like if you show up and only 70 people are there, you're just like, mm, let's cancel. You know I what know. I mean? You don't just go. I know. <laughs> you're like, what do you think? How do you think this is going to go, guys? Uh, what do you think is going to happen? 2,000 counter-protesters organized by the local chapter of the Brown Berets, which is a militant pro-Chicano organization, in conjunction with the John Brown Anti-Klan Committee, which is a group of mostly white anti-imperialist activists. And this kind of in some ways sets the stage for how a lot of the modern clan confrontations go, which is small numbers of clans people are willing to show their face in public and then they hide behind cops mm. by getting permits out and stuff. So the police protected the clan from protesters. A handful of cops and anti-clan protesters were injured in the fighting as people were trying to get through the cops to get to the clan, and people went and fucked up clan vehicles. In 1993, they marched again in Austin, Texas, because I guess the 10-year anniversary. They were like, oh, we're going to totally get it this time, guys. We, we got it, right? Uh, it went even worse for them. About Hell 50 yeah. of them showed up. Wow. You just got to cancel. What? what? You show up and there's 50 of you. That's like a, that's like a crowded public school classroom. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 5,000 people pelted them with eggs and shouted them down and mooned them. Wow. And... You know how I mentioned that in the 20s, some gangs made a truce to fight the Klan? Yeah. I get to tell you another story about that. Almost 100 years later. In 2015. Ooh, that is modern. Yeah. After the white supremacist terror attack on a black church in Charleston, South Carolina, the state was like, you know, maybe it's time to take the Confederate flag down from our statehouse grounds. Um, and in case there was 
any doubt in anyone's mind that the Confederate flag is like some kind of neutral symbol these days. The group that got together to rally in defense of their Southern heritage, and specifically the Confederate flag, was the fucking KKK. Was it? (laughs) (laughs) Along with their allies, the National Socialists. Oh my god. And of course, they didn't frame it as this is a Klan and Nazi rally, even though they were the groups that were like, no, 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 we're the Klan and we're the Nazis. They were like, we're defending our Southern heritage or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. They called for a rally to stop the flag from being taken down or whatever. And who stopped them? But an informal coalition of local black groups, including what appeared to be a gang truce between the Bloods, the Crips, and the Gangster Disciples, supported... Where is this? In Charleston, South Carolina. Interesting. Okay. Supported by another smaller informal coalition of anti-fascists and anarchists. This is as observed by one participant. If you want to hear a full breakdown of that day, you can listen to the podcast, The Final Straw Radio. Look for the title, Anti-KKK Rally Interview from 2015. And basically, it's a participant who is there as, a, um, as a, an anarchist from, uh, from the South was mm-hmm. there and, and was observing on, on what they saw, um, obviously. That's the history I want to know about. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And like, when you talk about things that are like real modern and are crimes, you have to like kind of be a little bit not super specific yeah. about things. So um, I guess, I mean, we're finally, I mean, I'm very young. So mm-hmm. this is the first date you've mentioned that I've been alive for uh, uh-huh. 2015. Um, no, I'm kidding. I mean, <laughs> but, uh, but no, it is, I guess that was really recent. Yeah. I, I, like being on podcasts like this, I think I like time becomes like a made up thing. Like everything is like, atemporal or something. Oh, that yeah. That was not that long ago. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it was like, I don't know. Especially COVID, I think, has made everything seem really far away, but that was not long ago. Totally. It was in the before times. It's like, if you're hanging out in like 3 AD, like yeah. 5 BC is like fucking... Yeah, way back Yeah, when. I have literally no idea when people came up with AD and BC, but whatever. No, um, something about Christ. I don't yeah. know. And so more like formal anti-racist groups held a rally, which is fine and good. But the Klansmen were chased around town and beaten to shit by this other group that was unified more or less by one thing. It's good to drive the Klan out of your town with violence. People partied in the streets with their stolen Confederate flags. At one point, a racist was like driving away and like away from a crowd and was trying to be like, whatever, fuck you. And then like you know, hit the gas to, like, speed off and then just drove right into a lamppost. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's cosmic justice right there. Yeah. And with that image, I think that's where we're going to leave it today. There's so many more stories about... That's a beautiful image to to, to sign off on. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Sometimes, I mean... It's 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 okay not to be a cynic, you know? Because the world is like, I'm going to fight back and give this little nugget of joy to you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes they do that work for you by driving into a lamppost because they're yeah. so mad about your existence. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 crazy to be so mad yeah. about just being so hateful that you just you you fuck yourself up. I don't know. Yeah. It's just very something funny about that. Yeah. Um, sure. But wow. Speaking wow. of speaking of wow, Shireen, is there anything you'd like to plug? Is that we're saying goodbye now? We're saying. Goodbye I mean, unless you now. have closing thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I'm just really uh, every. I mean, I just learned so much on the show because I just, 
I, I'm bad at learning things on my own these days. So I really appreciate all the knowledge <laughs> because there is just so much history and stuff that doesn't get its deserved attention. So I appreciate the yeah. show for being like, you know what? It's not all bad because people have been fighting since the dawn of time. And that's the only reason that we're still around. So <laughs> I don't know. It's it's good to remember that. Because again, I can be really cynical. So feeling even like a figment of hope is it's pretty impressive for me. So Yeah. I mean, this is kind of one of the reasons that you're a fun guest is that you come in like very misanthropic and it's kind of fun to like <laughs> to see like, me turn poke at that. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Well, because like just look at the current the, oh, the yeah, world no. <laughs> is hard to trust. Yeah. You know, it's so so yeah. I'm glad I learned all this stuff. And I'm glad that there are as many good dorks as there are dumb dorks. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad because, yeah, it just gives me some hope for the dorks out there. Yeah, they're not all bad. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me. With the mirror image of me. Never mind. Sorry. Wait. Go ahead. Would the mirror image of Patriot Front be Patriot Butt? Yeah. Because <laughs> it'd be the Patriot behind yeah. instead of the front. Yeah. The Patriot Butt. Yeah. Patriot wow. butt for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That was poetic. And you know that what else poetic. is poetic? The book of poetry Shireen wrote that you can purchase. Oh. Whoa. Uh, What's it called? You don't have to. I, I have a lot of embarrassment about everything I've ever done. And that one in particular, I don't know. It doesn't matter. You can you can just follow me around on the internet if you desire. Uh, Shireen, bad. Do that again. I, no, I don't want to. My Instagram is Shirohiro and my Buy Twitter Shireen's is Shirohiro666 because... You know, six six six. I yeah, threw the horns, but um, it doesn't translate on an audio. Is medium. it but the price of your book? Like <laughs> sixteen dollars and sixty six cents. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean like poetry's a stretch. I just kind of like published my diary, which is really exposing sometimes. So I think that's what makes me uh nervous, but it's fine. Honesty is good, you guys. Honesty is good. I agree. That's yeah. why I was like, I know that when I was telling you about the the ghosts thing, and you were like, "No, you're fucking with me." I'm like, "No, I don't." I mean, I I only fuck with people for very short I mean, periods of time. I immediately but that would be yeah. honesty. But that it could have gone either That's way. That's true. It <laughs> the ghost thing, yeah. like, are you kidding yeah. me? No, I like yeah. I. There's this thing I do. Okay, if I'm not if if, if, if I'm talking to someone mm -hmm. and for whatever reason they don't hear me, they don't answer me. It happens a lot with my fucking family. Mm -hmm. I'll just stand there and be like, am I a ghost? <laughs> and usually they don't respond. And oh, I'm like, okay, fuck. I'm a ghost now. Yeah. And so I just like continue my life as a ghost. Mm -hmm. So the ghost thing really threw me off. There's like a fascination <laughs> I have with little ghosties mm -hmm. because in a different world, that club is still around and it's like cute yeah. and beautiful yeah. and, and mm -hmm. nice. And it it's like Pac-Man. Six you know? white Confederate officers. No. You know? No. no. Start with better so, stock and you might end up. Uh, yes, exactly. It's uh it's really interesting to see how things evolve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so but yeah, this was fun to learn about. Thanks, Thanks yeah. for having me. Margaret, do you have any plugs for us at the end? You mean like December eighth, which is the live show where I'm a guest on a live behind the bastards, and you get to watch my face slowly turn to horror as I learn about something terrible. And then mm -hmm. are people able to ask questions? They are able to ask questions. Yeah. When you buy tickets, you'll be prompted to submit your question ahead of time. And you can buy tickets at momenthouse.co slash BTB. Yeah. 
Hooray. It's going to be more fun than the tone of my voice is making it sound. <laughs> Hooray. Yeah. I mean, this show is kind of like the antithesis of BTV, just like in some ways. Like yeah. the. What? So. <laughs> it was basically designed to make it so that my life wasn't so sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How's it, how's it working out? How's it working out? Oh, Margaret's the best. Yay. Yeah. Anyways, we'll be back next week with another cool person who did something cool or a group of people or something something Margaret the cool cool uh, cool person will tell us is cool because Margaret is cool and that's cool and bye bye Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media for more podcasts from Cool Zone Media visit our website coolzonemedia.com or check us out on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound... Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.